Welcome to Entrepreneur Mindset Reset, the podcast for entrepreneurs who want to learn from fellow business owners how to decrease the chaos and increase their sense of fulfillment while becoming more profitable. I'm your host, Tracy Trepesky. I'm an executive coach and consultant and leadership development expert. I'm also mom to two amazing teenagers and a menagerie of adopted furry family members. In each episode, we explore challenges, opportunities, and actionable tips to help you take control of your time and energy and improve your bottom line while staying true to your vision. You'll hear from me and my guests how we've tackled some of the pitfalls and unexpected surprises that entrepreneurship delivers. We're the real deal, and we're here to inspire and encourage you. Let's dive in. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in today for episode 63 of Entrepreneur Mindset Reset, the podcast where entrepreneurs just like you and me share how they master their mindset to overcome obstacles to their success. Before we dive into today's episode, I'd like to take a moment to remind you that your review helps us reach more people just like you who are looking for high quality, evergreen content and a sense of community. We aim for that on this podcast, and your review supports other entrepreneurs. Make sure you head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Scroll to the bottom of the show notes for guidance. In today's episode, I am so fortunate to be speaking with Maxime Kramer, hailing from London, and teaching tech literacy to women in tech, breaking down knowledge, network, and lifestyle barriers for those who are tech-phobic, and helping make technology simple and accessible for executives and founders. Maxime is the founder of Menenia, a coaching and consulting business for female founders in tech. She shares what she called her squiggly journey into entrepreneurship and the challenges she met while trying to break the mold in her career in tech and how that helped her move into her new career where she gets to do all the things she loves. You won't want to miss when she shares her mission in helping build bridges to the abstract and shorten the cycle and energy used to learn the latest technology. I love how she creates learning tech as a language and teaches the fundamentals to her clients to break down barriers. Her parting advice is the following. One, leverage the technology you have at your fingertips. And two, set aside time each week to meet people. Not every connection needs to have a required return on investment. Our conversation is so rich and Maxime's dedication to her mission, the ripple she's creating, it's palpable. And you know what to do. Grab a beverage or a snack and settle in to listen to Maxime and her amazing journey. Maxime, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I'm so, so, so excited to have you here. Tracy, I am so excited to be here and just have this conversation with you today. I'm really, oh I've been looking forward to it for quite a while. Me too. And I'm, I'm really excited before, you know, before we dive in, I'm really excited to have you here as a, you know, you're a woman in tech, you support women in tech and with tech. And I really appreciate that as someone who has great technology, but has a ton of phobia around it. So, <laughs> and good people to tell me how to use it and show me what I need to do with it. But I just, I really appreciate the work that you do. And I'm excited to share your journey and your message with our listeners. So thank you again for coming on. Thank you. I mean, the first thing I want to ask is why the phobia, but maybe, maybe we'll get to that. We can talk about that later. I'm getting better at it, actually. Yeah, I'm getting good. better at not freaking out about it. <laughs> And it'll probably come out in our conversation, right? Because it's kind of more yeah. around bandwidth than it is my actual ability 
to use technology. Yeah. So yeah. Um, but anyway, that's maybe for another day or later in our conversation. But so before we dive in, I'd love to share with our listeners where you are located in the world. Yeah, I am in London, UK. And uh, but I'm I'm a bit of a person who's lived kind of everywhere. And uh, but I've now been in the UK for gosh, 14 years and and it's my home. I'm pretty settled here. So awesome. it's all good. Yay. Ah, uh, well. That's exciting. I mean, I love, I love, we were just talking about where our listeners are located. I'll just go ahead and plug it in here from Alaska to New Zealand and how exciting to kind of, you know, span the globe this way. And through the magic of technology, we're able to mm -hmm. connect in this way. So this is really cool. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. So tell us about your journey. Like you can start wherever you want in there, but what led you to start your business in this way? It's, it's interesting, especially because you say, what led you to start your business? And I think there are a couple things. One, my mum and my mum's side of the family has always been quite entrepreneurial. Uh, she really appreciated the flexibility it gave her. And so when, when I was in school, she opened up her own nail studio in Amsterdam, uh, in the Netherlands. And, you know, having seen her do that, you know, having your own business wasn't necessarily a weird thing. Then, of course, I, I ended up in tech, which that in itself is a long story, which I'll cut short for now. But, um, you know, tons of entrepreneurs, tons of people starting businesses, seeing problems, solving problems, raising cash, doing all kinds of stuff. And as I kind of entered that world after university, it was exciting. And at the same time, I was like, you know, it's a lot of work. Like when you work in tech companies, you see the stress founders have the fundraising, um, you know, all the investors, all that kind of baggage that comes with it. Because I think today it's almost unfashionable to have a normal business, right? Where you kind of just open up shop, you make some money, you know, the equivalent of a bakery back in the day or something. I mean, people obviously still open bakeries and especially coffee shops has been a huge, huge wave <laughs> in the last couple of years. But um, in the tech world, it's always like, bigger and better. And I didn't really fancy that kind of pressure. And so I was like, you know what, whatever. And then I, um, I started talking with a lot of female founders because what had happened is I was a mobile software engineer. Uh, so I, I basically made iOS apps, uh, apps for the iPhone. And I was in London and again, long story short, I started talking at different developer conferences and, you know, kind of traveling the world for that, which was amazing. And, um, I started getting emails of these founders being like, Hey, so I'm working on a product. I'm really struggling with this. Can we have a coffee? And I was like, yeah, of course. Sure. Because they would have gotten my, my email or my, my details via other developers in the community. And what they were looking for was either a CTO or an engineer who got it. And, and their conclusion after a lot of pushback and barriers in the industry was, if I work with a female engineer, they'll get it and, and it will save me so much headache because I am done trying to explain and fight for my position in this space. You know, I'm done fighting for my space. I, I can't, I'm too exhausted. And so we would have these conversations and they'd be like, you know, I have, I have this idea. This is what it is. You know, I uh, got a bunch of developers to write it for me, to code it for me, to create it. Oftentimes offshore developers because of pricing, because, you know, nowadays hiring 
tech talent is incredibly expensive. Um, and at this stage, people are usually still bootstrapping. So they spent their savings and what they've gotten back is just, you know, a bunch of crap, really. <laughs> not what they wanted, not what they had in mind. And so they ask me, you know, what do I do? And so I walk them through everything. I explain certain outcomes and ramifications of certain decisions and kind of what their options are and all of this stuff. And they're like, this is amazing. This is what I needed. You explained it in plain English. Now I understand. I know what I can do. And will you come work with me? And at the time I was a bit like, I guess I'm a I, funny for an entrepreneur. I'm a little bit risk adverse. And I was like, well, you know, I would love to, but you know, I was actually working on incredibly exciting projects at the time and joining a kind of two, three, four, five man startup wasn't originally like something I thought I would do or would want to do. But after many, many of these conversations, I was like, you know what? My answer changed more to, I could go and do this for one company, but what if I could do it at scale and help women, you know, women founders in tech as a whole? And so I started my business kind of as an idea, then on the side, <laughs> and then uh, have gone full-time with it in the last year, which is, you know, a big moment. And mm -hmm. so what I do now really is I, I work with women entrepreneurs, typically non-tech women entrepreneurs, and help them build, you know, tech products with confidence. You love that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, the thing that really stands out to me is that kind of the, the progression of being a little resistant, but open to supporting to like, maybe I could do something with this to then fully jumping in and saying, yeah, this is what I'm doing mm. and how, how common it is that our calling keeps coming to us through very, very direct requests for the thing that we're being called to do. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> we don't get it until life or something smacks us right up on, you know, upside the head and we go, oh, here I am. Yeah. Because I, I mean, in the last year, you've experienced what I would say, like exponential growth in your in your company. And so what's that like? Because, right, you, you started as a side gig and then things changed for you and you went full time. Yeah, it's uh, it's been an interesting ride. I mean, I always knew it was going to become full time. But like I said, I was a little bit risk averse. <laughs> mm -hmm. So uh, and I knew I had a lot to learn in business because, you know, my background is I, I build excellent products and I, I know how to do that well. I know the process, you know, that part where business strategy, um, design, technology and everything intersects. And I can I can translate that to people who come from a business background who are in that executive level or, you know, are a founder. But running your own business is a whole other thing. And whilst I, like I said, I'd seen it, I'd seen my mom do it and so on. I wanted to be prepared and I didn't want to have to go into it with, um, I don't know, just not go in the deep end. I'm the kind of person who loves to read, learn, study, figure things out, hear from other people. And so I joined a coaching group, a community, you know, really settled into it from that side of things before I jumped into the deep end. And the last year has just been incredible. I mean, um, it's amazing what you're able to do. Mm -hmm. It's amazing what you're able to create almost with your own hands. I mean, I know it's, you know, what I do are services and it's, it's digital and it's about technology. So a lot of it is ethereal, if you will, but, you know, kind of making your own money, making that happen, getting certain connections, getting certain deals come through. You're just, 
you know, I started to make myself proud, which is something I didn't know I could do. (laughs) Mm. So yeah, it's been really great. I love that. I want to pause and, and reflect on that for a moment, because I think this is huge for entrepreneurs, probably for all humans, but especially for entrepreneurs, because we're so often focused with our head down, getting work done. Otherwise we'll be, you know, distracted by squirrels and shiny objects. So we have to stay focused to get work done. And we often forget to lift our heads up and see the terrain that we've covered and to see the progress that we've made and celebrate that progress and bask in the pride of creating and building something that's useful and meaningful. And, you know, I think in many ways, transformational, what you're doing, you know, I feel like you're like liberating women (laughs) from all of the tech things that hold us back in Mm -hmm. part to touch on the LinkedIn post that you wrote this morning when I saw, you know, the messaging that we've received Mm -hmm. around well, you know, girls don't like hard math and girls don't like science and, you know, blah, 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 things that may be true for some people, but I think it's also true for some women and so, and also true for probably a lot of guys Yeah, yeah <laughs> and everybody absolutely. in between. So brava to you, like huge kudos to you for pausing and reflecting and celebrating your accomplishments. I mean, that's to me a really important part of the journey. It's something that I teach my clients. Like we're, mm-hmm. we're gonna, we have our to-do list and we're also going to have our ta-da list, the one that we celebrate at the end of each day. This is what the coach who trained me taught me. She's like, you have to celebrate your progress. You have to. <laughs> Otherwise we don't get into the right energy to keep going. And it's really easy for those of us who are wired up for entrepreneurship to lose sight of the finish line if it's a big project. I've written that down to da list. I love yeah, it. It's the best. And, you know, arms of victory V so much the better, right? <laughs> really yeah. shifting our, our entire being when we celebrate our accomplishments. So that's, that's great. I would say, you know, pro tip, celebrate your progress. Be proud of oneself. Yeah, Absolutely. good stuff. I love that. Gosh, so how, how have you found the journey of entrepreneurship? I mean, I know in some ways, you crawled and then maybe stumbled into it um, full time. You didn't do, you know, what all of the, you know, so-called influencers or whatever make it look like they've done, even though they haven't. You chipped away at it behind the scenes for quite some time. Mm-hmm. So what's it like now to be doing it full time? It's really liberating, funnily enough. Like that's the first word that comes to mind because it's on my terms for once. And, mm-hmm. you know, a bit of backstory here is that when I, when I was still working full-time, I had a very strange role because, um, again, I started as a mobile engineer, mobile developer. And in that, I found that I was uh, always kind of doing what's called UX work or design work, which means I'm working on the experience that a, a person who's using our products would uh, go through. And so I was very much, I had one foot in the design world, one foot into the developer world. And it is also because of that, that I actually got into development. I mean, I've been programming and doing stuff on computers since I was really, really young. Um, Since we had our computer when I was five, I was into it. (laughs) But there were so many different careers I wanted to do. And eventually I was like, you know what? Computer science, that's fine. I never thought I'd be a developer. I was like, I'm not going to ship. Excel on a CD, like that is like the most boring of boring that you could do. But then the iPhone came out and I was like, now I can make things that people carry with them, right? You're, you get to almost be part of someone's day. Like how amazing mm. is that? And so that was a very big driver for me. 
And a lot of people didn't get that because, you know, some of the best engineers I've worked with, they have a different focus. They are able to find the best solution for a problem, like the best technical solution for a problem. And I'm very pragmatic. I'm like, eh, any solution, as long as it's half decent, will do. Because what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to solve the problem for the person. And it doesn't really matter how we do that. So no one knew what to do with me. <laughs> I remember one of my first jobs after two years of being there, um, I was, they might transition me to the design team. But if I did that, it meant I wasn't allowed to write any code anymore, which is just bonkers. Because I was like, well, what did you pay me to do for two years? And they were like, well, if you're not managed by a developer manager, then you're not allowed to basically do any programming. So I left. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then at the next company, I was supposed to have a hybrid role and then priorities changed a week before I joined. And so I was put back in, as an engineer. Uh, and that was fine. I, again, brilliant company I worked at. Fantastic people, learned so much. And then I moved to my kind of last proper role, which was I was a principal design technologist at Autodesk. And a lot of people ask me, what is that? And I say, well, my prototype as part of a design team, I prototype in code the experiences that we then test so that we have data and answers and insights from our, our people, our users, before we invest everything and all that we have to make it a fully fledged part of our product. And so I'm basically prototyping for a living, which was a really good fit from a technical point of things. And um, sorry, I'm getting a bit specific, but it was very strange because very few companies have that role and see the benefit of that kind of learning cycle because they would rather pay me to actually just make the thing than, you know, try and make the thing. Going back to what you asked about what's so liberating about, you know, working for myself now is I've always been a bit of a polymath, loads of different skills, love doing a lot of different things. And that's what doing this business affords me, right? I get to do everything. I get to learn new things as well. Like, you know, again, kind of how to sell, for example, because that feels like a really weird skill, possibly even an icky skill. But then over time, you find a way where it works for you and you believe in your products and you want to help people. And suddenly sales is not a big thing anymore, right? Because mm -hmm. you're just like, hey, I'm, you know, I really want to help you. This is a way that we can work together. Totally fine if we don't do it. That's, that's not the thing I'm trying to do here. I'm just trying to help people. So I get to do many things. I get to be in charge of my own day. I get to work on something that's so meaningful and purposeful to me. And so even though, I kind of had a, a squiggly career in the, in the tech industry. I really feel at home now uh, running, running this business. I love it. I think a couple of things that you said really resonated with me. One was kind of on the level of these companies that you worked for doing great work, but had a very rigid idea of what roles should be. Hmm. And, you know, I think sometimes linear thinkers miss the bus on the creative aspect of the world and possibilities. So for our listeners, no matter what field you're in, as you start to hire your team, beware the super boxed in roles. You didn't become, we didn't become entrepreneurs to sit inside of a tiny box, you know, with the exception of like the law and taxes, <laughs> I think we're okay to be really flexible and fluid with how we want to run things. So 
again, good on you for, for being willing to, to shift, to take a leap, to go somewhere else to, you know, I think it's a leap of faith to leave something that appears safe on paper. Right. Mm -hmm. And to be able to go and keep seeking the right role for yourself. I think that's huge. And I think the other thing that's also really cool is being okay with allowing yourself to be interested in lots of different things and pursuing them. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of kind of noise in the entrepreneur world from the gurus saying, do one thing and do it really well. And maybe when you're starting out, you could focus on the one thing and do it really well and then add to. But for those of us who get bored out of our skulls, if we do the same thing over and over again, go for it. Find a way to monetize the easiest one first <laughs> and then go from there. So I love that you're, that you're able to do that and, and wrap that all into one business. Very cool. Thanks. Absolutely. And um, a note on the on the job thing as well is, is, you know, I was very fortunate and still am that this industry, you know, there's a lot of opportunity. And so I, I had that uh, it was available to me to move around, which I always felt very lucky for. Um, and so that gave me, you know, you talked about stability and security, the fact that the market was kind of on our side in terms of recruitment and so on really helped with that, that I was able to go and find a role that fit me. Or suited me the best but it's still interesting how despite all of that nothing has has fit me as well as what I do now mm -hmm. well I think entrepreneurs we get to a point where we're just fundamentally unemployable <laughs> right because we're trying to find creative solutions like you were saying it doesn't matter if it's the best solution or the most technological solution what we want is to provide a solution for the problem or the challenge that a client has mm -hmm. so that's where, you know, and again, not to for me to pigeonhole people in the tech world, but by and large, people in the tech world are pretty linear in their thinking. Although if you pull them outside of work and you get to know them, many of them paint or, or design or, you know, whatever, have some kind of an artistic musical, something along those lines. And so wouldn't it be great if more people would allow that kind of thinking to come into their linear world? I think things would soften exactly. around the edges a little bit and you need both right because mm -hmm. there are absolutely times where finding the absolute best solution is critical and and thank god that there are people that are really good at doing that i'm not one of them right <laughs> i'm a pretty good engineer like i it's funny because i've worked with truly incredible people that i always think oh i'm okay but actually i've you know i'm a good engineer but some of them are truly extraordinary and without that some of the services and things we use every day wouldn't run as effectively as they do. But there are also people like me and all of them are an asset to your business. And that's what's, that's the part that was a challenge, I think, um, as I, as I was going through that early stage of my career. Yeah, that makes sense. Very cool. So you work, your clients, shifting gears a little bit, your clients yeah. are female founders. Do, do you have people who will come and self-identify in other ways to work with you for your services? Or is it uh, no, it's, it's, yeah, it's predominantly female founders. I do work with certain organizations and venture firms. So one of them is the University of Westminster here in London. And so through that, I've coached some guys and, you know, so it's not, it's not hundred percent rigid. It's just kind of to your point about specializing and doing one thing really well. It's just some of the feedback I've had from clients is, you know, I, I felt understood. I felt seen. I knew I'd be treated with respect. And I think some of that comes from the fact that I do say that I work predominantly with women and I do 
And um, so there is a strength in that, in communicating mm-hmm. that. But I, I do have slightly more varied experience. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think also, you know, from a marketing perspective, it's so much easier to have a clear message when we choose a lane, you know, our yeah. niche and we stay in it. And, you know, I mean, we learned this in the business mastermind that we're in, but hopefully we knew this at least to a certain extent, even before that. <laughs> but it is, you know, really practical, right? You were saying you're a very pragmatic person. I think from a practical and pragmatic perspective, it's important to choose a niche and stick with it while you build it. It can always, there's always outside edge type stuff, right? Like I have my niche. So some people will self-identify to be a good client and pitch themselves to me based on, you know, the work that I do, which is kind of cool, right? It's always fun to be like, (laughs) oh, they want what I do and this is great. But I think yeah, that, absolutely. you know, you're really wise also. One, it's, I think it's your, your mission, right? It's your mm. mission is to support women, but also probably makes your life a lot easier when it comes to marketing and writing copy and getting all of, you know, that work done and out to the world. It does, but it's kind of what you say about the mission, right? Because the, the vision I have in my mind is extremely clear, right? It's a world where innovation is effortlessly created by the diverse people it aims to serve. That, that's what I'm here to contribute to. And, you know, at the moment, technology is not considered effortless, big problem. It's not created enough by diverse people, big problem. And so it doesn't serve the, the beautiful diversity that we have in the world, big problem. And, you know, so I wouldn't say no to working with, with someone who doesn't fall in that group. And like you say, people can self-identify and actually everyone I've worked with has been diverse in some way. But that's ultimately mainly what I'm here to do. And so I'm focusing most of my energy and efforts there because quite frankly, they, they need it the most. And, and I want to see this world, right? We need it the most. Yeah, I love that. I mean, imagine the ripple that you're creating by building technology that supports diverse populations. Mm. Like that's, uh, you know, a little mind blowing being in the US and knowing exactly what Silicon Valley looks like. <laughs> and understanding that you know venture capital goes primarily to white men and that there's just this bias that whether they mean to be that way or not it's there and it happens and so so much of the technology that's created is made in the image of white men Mm -hmm. which is you know happens in all areas of life and so we see this but I always think about like making big changes in the world like sometimes we can go out we can make a big splash with huge followings and, you know, whatever. But I actually think the internal, like this, to me, this is sort of internal work that you're doing, even though it's not, right? But you're changing this industry from the inside and creating these ripple effects that to me, if you look further out, can become like a tsunami of change. I I had someone on the show a couple of weeks ago who, um, Ciela Hartanov, she talked about groundswells. And that you only need about 100 people to create a groundswell. And that that's actually how we create change. So, you know, I, I know that you're, I think you're building an app for someone that we both know. And I don't know what it's going to do or if you can talk about it. Mm. But I think, you know, my, in my mind, knowing what she does in the world of networking and, and social capital, mm. what kind of, I mean, I'm like goose pimply thinking about it, what kind of an impact that makes. And you get to be the person who makes that wave. I just, it's so awesome. 
It really is. And, and thank you for capturing that so beautifully because that was the thinking behind the business, right? Like I said, I could join one company, but what if I could help them all? And not mm-hmm. all, right? Like that, that's borderline impossible, but like the sentiment is still there. What if I could do more than one? And um, oh, just to go into that for a second, I, I won't name the person or all the things she's working on because indeed that it's not launched yet. But oh, let me tell you about the frustration. Mm, mm. because you know she came to me and she's like I've been thinking about this app for a long long time and I just kind of gave up on the idea because she you know she'd gone to an agency and they had quoted her over $70,000 just for an initial prototype now you know it's I will say right like I see where that agency is coming from I know why it's that price and I know the process that they're trying to put her on, which is, you know, you're validating like kind of what I was saying, you know, prototyping and everything before you go full into, into creating an app, but she didn't need that. That is not what was important to her. Like there nowadays we have such a uh, array of tools available to us. And you know, the no code movement has been a big thing where no code, meaning, you know, you don't have to program it. You can buy kind of off the shelf solutions and so on. That being said, you still want to create an experience that's cohesive. And for that, you still need someone who can help you kind of piece everything together technically, set it up for your business properly, making sure it achieves all the goals that you set, as well as what your customers and clients need, uh, which is kind of what I'm doing for her. But in terms of the actual tech, like you can use, you know, particular platforms, you can then wrap it into an app and I basically within one afternoon with the approach I outlined saved her 60, yeah, about 60,000 on that 70,000 quote. And this is part of the problem, right? Because it's all or nothing, meaning that women who are creating these products are left behind because they can't go on all in, not because she doesn't have the budget or anything. I mean, I don't know, but you know, it's then not a priority. It's then a really big thing. It's then too much of a challenge. So never mind. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessary. What happened to listening to people and seeing, hey, this is actually what you need, right? Using our technical expertise to show you what's possible and empowering founders to make those decisions for themselves instead of saying, this is the way, this is the only way we do things. So either you're on board or you're not. Mm. This is why the world needs you, right? Because you're also <laughs> coming up with creative solutions. Again, not to say that people in the tech world aren't creative, but there is something that happens with only linear thinking, right? And this is the lack of diversity, I think, that really Mm. impacts this way that, again, they're 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 leaving people behind, but they're also depriving the world (laughs) of amazing solutions. So to me, it's like a form of of hoarding of gifts, you know, that they're just kind of holding it in, maybe unwittingly, but. I mean, I think that's a fact, right? That it's, that that's, that happens. And then the spill out from that is that we all lose. We all lose. Mm -hmm. And imagine, you know, just thinking about this one solution that you're providing, not knowing what it is, but having an idea of how much it's going to support her and her in her business. And I'm imagining also her clients Mm -hmm. that that is, I mean, that's massive, and a creative solution that can be simplified. I'm a big fan of simplicity. Like the more complex yeah. it is, the less I want anything to do with it. And I think that that's true in, in this time of rapid change and, and so many things to learn. 
especially yeah. technology, right? So we get all those messages about how we're not supposed to know what it is or like it or want to work with it or whatever. And then we come in and it's so complicated and it's not made for us. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. This is why people have phobia, right? Like, I mean, I don't know your background or kind of what, what made, what led you to say, <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, technology. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> you know, people still have that old school habit of, you know, you remember when you forgot to save something and everything crashed and you pressed the wrong button on the computer and all your work was gone and people are just hesitant to even touch a button, touch the yep. screen because the design isn't done in such a way, the affordances aren't there that people know what's going to happen after something is, after they do something, right? What is the cause and effect? Mm -hmm. And then also what's the recoverability? If something has gone wrong, how do you recover from it in a graceful way? Those are two extremely key design concepts that any good product will bake into their solutions. And this is why design teams are key as well. You can't just work with engineers. Uh, this is a mistake I see many entrepreneurs make because rightfully so, they think, okay, I've got an idea for a tech product. I'm going to go to talk to a tech person, aka an engineer. Mm -hmm. They are one part of the full puzzle. And, you know, technology has been typically made with the idea that it ships with a user manual. You have to learn how to use it rather than know how to use it intuitively and instinctively. And it's no wonder that, you know, a lot of people love what Apple does because that's one of the things they do really, really well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because you said, you know, learning how to use it intuitively. And I think that was part of my struggle with technology is that so much of it was, it was like learning another language. And I'm a linguist, so I'm cool with that. But it was like, it's not an intuitive language. And then one platform calls it this and another platform calls it that. And until yeah. there's something that like can put it in plain English to reference something that you said earlier, we don't know what that is. And so that was where a lot of my tech, I wouldn't call it phobia, but tech hesitancy, hesitancy, thank you, you know, really rested. And, you know, over time, as I've shifted my business model and I've brought in, and you know, somebody who does a lot of my admin and the small detail work for me, now I have brain space and bandwidth to go learning those languages to know what we need. Right. Yeah. But there was a period of time where I was like, we're not changing our technology because I don't have time to figure it yeah. out, <laughs> even though we and needed that, to change some of our technology. So. And that's totally fine. Right. And that's understandable. And indeed, part of the issue is that it takes that amount of energy like mm -hmm. in order to change something. And that's where, what's really a shame. It's funny you say you're a linguist because, you know, my, my kind of main program and what I teach is tech literacy because, uh, and, and I know we've talked about this in the past, it's because people have said that to me time and again, I don't speak the language. And in my opinion, going back to that LinkedIn post, one of the things I talk about in there as well is, is I'm big on metaphors. I'm big on building bridges for people back into the world that they know and love into the abstract. And what that means is that you can relate to technology or you can relate to things as you do anything else in life, because it's my belief that a lot of us learn that way. Not everyone, right? Not everyone's a visual learner. Not every, We all have different ways as well. But that's typically what I don't see done in STEM fields or specifically maths or technology. And it's so important because it shortens the cycle and the energy required for you to learn something new mm. because you already have something to anchor it with. 
is so, so key. And I'm, I'm, I'm just such a big believer of that, you know. And everybody is looking for ways to, you know, simplify, to understand, not necessarily cut corners, but if it doesn't have to be complicated, why should it be complicated? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Amazing. Well, I would love to hear how people can come and find you and how we can support the work you're doing. So where, where should we find you? Uh, tons of places. <laughs> um, I mean, it really depends on, on what people want to do. I mean, I'm always happy for a chat, like follow me or add me on LinkedIn. I would love to connect. Also, I, uh, one thing I didn't mention at the start is one of my uh, exciting adventures at the moment is I'm starting a YouTube channel. Because I want to connect with people more, because I want to explain things. And, you know, kind of similar to you, Tracy, like, you know, this entrepreneurial journey, we're often on it kind of on our own for a bit. And so being able to to see other things, hear from other people, see how how we're doing on this founder's journey is key. So uh, if that's live, I'll send you a link. Maybe it can go in the show notes. Awesome. Um, and then I think indeed tech literacy is, you know, if that's the thing I do. Um, and so, I don't know, I would love to hear from people if that resonates, if that is uh, a challenge you face. And if it is, reach out, chat to me because, you know, that's what I'm trying to change in this world. I want to give people tech literacy so they can, they can really be empowered to build the businesses that this world needs. So yeah, that, that would be some places on the internet. Yeah. I love it. We'll make sure all the notes or all of the links are in there in the show notes easily, uh, easily found. So wonderful. I, I just, I love the work you're doing. I feel, you know, really inspired really by watching your journey and hearing how committed you are to making it just more accessible and, 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 you know, meaningful and diverse because we all have different needs and we all need to use technology at this stage of the game. And I just really appreciate everything that you're doing to make that a reality for women. Thank you, Tracy. And also thank you for having me on here because it means that this message spreads and also I get to, you know, talk to you, another, you know, amazing woman in STEM and connections are so important. Again, like these journeys, you know, we, we employ people, we grow our businesses, but sometimes it still feels like we're, we're kind of on our own. And so having this connection is just wonderful. Mm, I love it. Well, before we go, any parting wisdom you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, see, Tracy told me that she's going to ask me this and I <laughs> kind of purposefully didn't think about it. So let's see, because there's so much, right? And I'm sure that if you're listening, you'll have heard a lot. What I will say is you're right, kind of what you just said, Tracy, about technology being a thing. Uh, we are using it all the time now. and so. What it does really well is distribution and access. So wherever you are in the world, you know, you might be near a huge hub of entrepreneurial buzz, or you might not be, um, but through, through technology, we're able to communicate, we're able to stay in touch, learn from each other and, um, and, and do, you know, do the thing that we're, we're looking to do in the world. So leverage that, get in touch with people. One of my favorite things recently has been one-on-one -on -one chats in, in LinkedIn and the amount of people I've managed to meet that way, partnerships, connections, support, you know, not every conversation needs a massive ROI, <laughs> right? but it's, it's really, you know, I've made time every week, just a couple hours a week that's available for any kind of chat 
like non-judgmental chat, you know, like again, no, no required ROI. And since doing that, my business has really changed. So um, I know there's an international audience listening, so make use of the internet as I'm sure you're already doing because you're listening <laughs> to this and, and connect with people. Mm, I love that. Well, thank you so much. And this has been, the time flew by. I looked at the clock and went, oh, we got to wrap it up here, people. <laughs> and that's, to me, that's a sign of a great conversation where it feels like time stands still. But I just, I, again, to reiterate, love the work you're doing. I appreciate so much that you were willing to take the leap of faith and mm. branch out on your own. And I truly believe that you're creating massive change, whether you can see it or not, because you're standing there, you know, in the forest looking at the one tree, but that ripple, right? It starts maybe just with little tiny ripples, but I think in the end, it does create that swell. And I, for one, really appreciate it. And I'm glad to see it happening. And I know that you're a big force behind it. So thank you. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you so much for, for having me and your incredibly kind words. It's been a real honor and pleasure today. Awesome. We'll take good care. And thanks again for coming. Will do. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of Entrepreneur Mindset Reset. Be sure to click the subscribe button so you'll never miss a show. As you know, reviews are what help your fellow entrepreneurs find the right podcasts for them. So please leave us a review and tell your friends about us so more people can hear the valuable information we share in each episode. If you are a medical practice owner and you're struggling with overwhelm from the daily business operations and decisions and trying to manage your time and all that juggling, schedule a talk with me by visiting my website at tracycherpesky.com forward slash medical hyphen practices. Link is in the show notes. We look forward to hearing from you and celebrating your success.